Good morning. It's Wednesday, April 29th, 2015. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 165. Is that even possible? There's no way I've done this 165 times, but I guess it's kind of just incremental. One, two, three. It actually is possible, I suppose. Technically, it is possible, although I refuse to believe it. And it's something kind of fun happening today for our 165th episode. The Build Conference, Microsoft's Build their 2015 Developer Conference is happening live right now, and uh, we're just going to dip in. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour conference, and they got started a little late, and they're having some stream troubles. So my plan is we'll dip in. This is the big story of the day today. We'll see what's going on, and uh, then we'll just kind of move along. And then if anything major drops, we'll talk about it tomorrow. One of the big rumors right now that might get announced at Build is perhaps support for Android apps on Windows Mobile. We don't know yet. There's been no announcement, but that's one of the big rumors floating around from Paul Thorat. And if that happens, I'll be sure we talk about it. But first, before we get into the Build 2015 live stream, let's bring in our Mumble Room. Time-appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Good morning. Hey, guys. All right. Good morning. Are you guys ready to do a little uh, mystery science theater uh, style? And uh, let's watch a little bit of the Build conference right now up on stage. That's why I wanted to start right now. Uh, The Docker guy. Uh, talking about Docker integration with Microsoft Windows, which is a particular area of interest for me. So let's tune in and see what he has to say. Orchestration initiatives compose machine and swarm. Fourth great surprise, and yes, yes, there's more. Um, You combine those three things, you're not only going to be able to make great multi-container Windows applications or great multi-container Windows applications, you'll be able to mix and match um, Windows containers and Linux containers, which means you'll be able to use a Linux backend and a Windows frontend or vice versa. Basically, choose the best damn tools for the best damn application that you want to build. That and sounds cool. Any server. Of course, some virtualization will be involved. the greatest surprise that we've had in working with Microsoft is that this has happened quickly. And everything that I've spoken about is either live or working well in the lab right now. And so without further ado, I'd like to bring uh, Mark Rasinovich, CTO of Azure, on board to show you what happens when you combine these great platforms together and again, empower developers. Thank All right. So this has been an area that I've actually, uh, we spent a considerable amount of time on this week's episode of Coda Radio, debating the value of containers on Azure if they're hypervised. Fabricam, it's an e-commerce site. It's kind of a standard site, and I'm going to be doing some dev tests on it. The first thing I'd like to do is to deploy it to a, a Docker container running in a Windows server machine. On this dev test box, I've got a virtual machine running Windows Server with Docker support, Docker container support. And I'm going to take a look at the containers that I've already got running in that virtual machine by executing the docker ps command, which lists the active containers. You can see that I've got two containers active. One is a Minecraft server, <laughs> and the other one is a Node.js application, Woo! which shows that Docker containers on Windows support many different runtimes and languages that you might be using. That actually, uh, for a Minecraft server on Windows, that actually sounds kind of useful. Application so that I can also deploy it into a container. And I'm going to use a, a several Docker commands here. One called Docker build, which will package it up. I'm going to tag the image that's produced with the name Fabricam so it's easy to remember. And then go ahead and package that. And this is going to be executing a series of steps, which hmm. take that ASP.NET Five application, package mm-hmm. it up in a Dockerized image. Yeah, yeah. And the next step... He's, he's containerizing a Windows application right now. With that image. So I'll type docker run dash IT to make it interactive, and you'll see why I'm doing this in a second. And... Oh, I forgot the docker. He forgot the docker. docker. Oh, there he goes. He caught it. Run and Fabricam. I think it's... Yeah. Now, yeah. the reason that I've had it be interactive is so that we can print out the IP address so I can see the IP address of the website that's going to launch that Fabricam application. Yeah. If I go back and do a Docker 
PS at this point, you'll see that that Fabricam image has yeah. been launched into a container here. Yeah, okay, there you go. Now, one of the really fun parts about using the Docker client is that if you don't specify a name for your container, it comes up with a random one. So let's go see what names it's come up with. It called this one Tender Ilion. Oh, and look at that. Wow, that's... Uh, what are the odds of that coming up like Azure that? is the best cloud ever. So uh, they're going to talk about, they say, uh, three main components, Azure, Windows Mobile, and then Windows 10. Windows 10 will be towards the end of the keynote, so we probably won't make it that far. But uh, going into it, we'll see. Anybody uh, in the mumble room have any thoughts about Docker containers on Windows? I'll give you my thoughts. Uh, I think this uh, if I think this is going to have a much bigger impact for moving for containing Windows applications than it will be for running Linux applications on Windows. That to me doesn't seem all that practical because you lose a lot of the benefits of containerization. But being able to containerize Windows applications, you know, old applications that uh, that the enterprise requires, the business requires, but uh, perhaps make it difficult to patch a box. Those kinds of applications that every every business that's been around for about 10 years has, those could really benefit from containerization because you could isolate those from the rest of the Windows host OS, keep installing Windows updates on that Windows host OS, and then the Windows application that's old and jank stays contained uh, and, and isolated. I wonder if it'd even be possible to have 16-bit containers. Wouldn't that be fascinating? I doubt it. I'm sure that's not possible. But uh, so what we're seeing right here is uh, they are in Microsoft Visual Studio and they are publishing to a Docker container directly from within Visual Studio. There's Fabricam latest and there's the name Prickly Wozniak. So always fun to look at the names of the Docker containers it creates. Let's go see if that website's come up. And sure enough, there it is. And you can see that that's the same IP address as the SSH command, so I'm looking at the Docker container running on that virtual machine. Hmm. But now there's more. I'm doing dev test of this Fabricam application, and I'd like to continue to use Visual Studio to do that. And I can now with integration of container debugging into Visual Studio. Hmm. So I'm going to go to Server Explorer, go to Virtual Machines. Isn't it interesting how Microsoft was able to jump on integrating uh, container support into their uh, Visual Studio development tools before (laughs) really anything in the open source space has that kind of integration? Debugging experience, I've got the libraries loaded here, and you can see, sure enough, there's the core CLR for Linux underneath this application that I've just attached to. And now I want to set a breakpoint here on the function that I'm debugging. I go back to the website, hit refresh, and I'm at the breakpoint. Debugging That's great. Wow. .NET in Linux wow. deployed into a, a Docker container. And I got to say, you know, uh, t- give it to Microsoft, too. Uh, they're about a half, half hour t- into this uh, keynote, and they're already Thanks going more. pretty hardcore. Uh, this is a developer's conference We've that is been, truly uh, developing for developers. the cross-platform version of the .NET Core runtime uh, in the open uh, on GitHub the last several months. And I'm excited today uh, to announce that we're also releasing now a preview edition of the runtime in pre-compiled binary form. Holy shit. You can download and start using. They're going to release a pre-compiled .NET Core for Linux. Now, it's an incredibly exciting time uh, in the world today. Uh, Disruption is changing the economy uh, in a fundamental way. Microsoft is officially building Uh, tools for Linux. But in traditional service industries as well. You know, who would have predicted that both the taxi and the hospitality business would have been turned upside down five years ago? Uh, yet innovative companies like Uber and Airbnb are doing just that. Every organization is looking for ways to engage customers better, uh, empower their employees more, 
and ultimately transform the value they deliver. And developers and the applications and solutions they, they build play an absolutely integral role in enabling this. In fact, it's increasingly uh, digital apps and technology uh, that enable businesses to delight their customers and differentiate from one another. And it's never been a better time, I think, right now than to be, to be a developer. Azure enables you to embrace this transformation hmm. uh, and make you and your teams even more successful. Uh, with Azure, we deliver a rich I'm not clear what this does mean for Mono. Uh, I think that's kind of uh, an interesting question. Uh, perhaps Mono can continue to do something that they can't. Maybe Mono will be available to more platforms. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, while he goes on to promote uh, what uh, is so great about Azure, I thought I'd mention another story that caught my interest in the headlines today. Uh, Google Now is expanding. Google Now is expanding to apps to allow apps to insert cards into your Google Now feed. Spotify, RunKeeper, and others will now get their own cards that show up in your Google Now feed. I thought this is interesting because so far it's been kind of a closed-off thing. Spotify, for example, can recommend playlists based on your listening history. Uh, same with TuneIn and YouTube. Zipcar will be able to remind users where their car reservation is set to expire and where to go get that car with quick links to Nav and the drop-off location. And fitness apps like RunKeeper and Jawbone and Adidas can now remind you of daily goals and encourage you to work toward them. Uh, Google says cards can now prove more helpful with regular notifications. I agree. I think having third-party integration is a key part to expand this, especially, I'm sorry, especially as Wear is a huge, huge um, sort of interface to Google Now. One of the biggest values to Wear is the uh, is the Google Now advantage. Um, so uh, congrats to uh, Google for actually finally opening that up. Now, if only they could have opened up that Google Now a- a- or that Google uh, Plus API, maybe it wouldn't be a zombie. All right, so there is a story. Let's check back in uh, with uh, the uh, Build Conference uh, stream has just come back online. So let's check in and see where they're Except at. The weekend, uh, building the app, and had by the end of the weekend, had a fully production-ready version deployed on Azure, ready to roll out to their sales force on Monday. And this ability to quickly create robust, enterprise-ready applications with super-fast development cycles has really provided 3M with incredible business agility and helps them move even faster as an overall organization. And one of the great productivity solutions Azure delivers is our Azure App Service. Uh, this is a really powerful offering that we released just last month and provides a suite of capabilities that enable you to quickly build and scale both web and mobile applications anywhere in the world. Now, App Service allows you to write back-end code logic using Ooh, .NET, back-end Java, code logic. Node.js, PHP, and Python. Ooh, Python. Uh, it, uh, you can easily enable continuous integration workflows uh, to it from online uh, source repositories like Visual Studio Online, GitHub, and Bitbucket. And that enables it so that every time a developer checks in code into one of those services, mm. Azure can automatically build it, That's uh, nice. test it, That's deploy really it nice. to a private production slot, and wow. everything's looking good. That looks really good. basically turn it on to production and do full monitoring. And Continuous integration as a service, basically. Using Azure's built-in auto-scale capability, you can set up rules so that once you deploy the application, your application can automatically scale up based on incoming traffic. Uh, in fact, if you get a massive influx of traffic, you can basically spin up a You know, one of the things uh, that uh, struck me at uh, talking to uh, an employee who works at Azure uh, at Microsoft, works in Azure at Microsoft, I talked to him at Linux Fest Northwest, and one of the things that really struck me is the scale in which Azure is growing is at a pace that nobody's really actually fully aware of outside of Microsoft. What we have of, of Azure today is like the third iteration of what they've tried to build, third or fourth iteration, really, and it has been coming together by the seat of its pants. Like, we have... From the outside, we have no idea. But I got a clear indication from this guy that it's been a little patched together and it's finally kind of stabilizing out. And now Microsoft feels like they're catching.
catching their breath, barely. They're barely catching their breath, and now they're going to try to push full steam ahead with this stuff. And I think this is going to be a big, big area for them in 2015 here at Build. Apps functionality within app service to create long-running workflows to automate business processes. What I'd like to do is invite Scott Hanselman here on stage uh, to show off uh, our Azure app service and what you can build with it. Hi, friends. Hi, Scott. You know, we're really excited about the maker movement and things like Raspberry Pis and 3D printers. Hmm. You really should pick up one of these. These are great. And one of the applications that we've brought here, the Fabricam application, uh, is a maker space. And they sell things like PrinterBot 3D printers and Netduino Wi-Fis and things like that. But they also offer a service where I can go and upload a 3D print. I've got a 3D object here in 3D Builder that you can go and get up on the Windows Store. So I'm going to upload him into uh, this application that is running in Azure App Service. When we bring him up and then hit Upload, this modern application, there we go, you've actually got a little JavaScript 3JS there showing me the model. It's going to tell me where I can pick it up and when, and this is now going to go through a process. It's talking to a back-end order service, Hmm, uh, the one that we saw. And uh, let's switch over into Visual Studio and see how we built that. Now, this is that... I, it does look a lot like Android Studio. I agree, Mr. Bacon. Core CLR uh, and using modern techniques that is talking to uh, the back end. This order details back end is running within the context of Azure. And we're using HTML5, CSS3, all the kinds of modern things that you'd expect. And we're actually bringing in Bower and NPM. Uh, inside of Visual Studio. And because I'm a web developer, I want to use my web development skills to make uh, other applications. So we also have the back end for the administrator. So when someone uh, at the store gets that 3D print, we can click on the order. They've got access to that print. So they're using this application on a Surface to talk to the same order API that the website does. We've got built into Visual Studio the tools for Apache Cordova that are also using HTML and JavaScript, and we're reusing some of that uh, JavaScript as well. And I can go and generate mobile applications. I could certainly use C++ or tools like Xamarin. In this case, tools for Apache Cordova have me to create a, on stage. a mobile app so I can go and make purchases from this store and also check on my order. You maybe have seen the Windows emulator that runs on Hyper-V. For you audio listeners, they're showing uh, the Windows phone emulator on the screen that runs on top of Hyper-V. And now they're showing an Android version from within Visual Studio. go and check on my order from that Android emulator running under Hyper-V at full speed, all part of the Apache Cordova tools that are built in here. It also includes debugging and a really amazing experience for people making mobile applications on any platform. So now people might look at using Visual Studio to to create Android uh, apps? Visual Studio Online and see how we're managing this code. Now, in this case, our team is working on a Git repository that's running in Visual Studio Online. You can see John Galloway is making some Uh, changes here. But not only are we doing source control within VSO, but we're also managing our backlog. Hmm. So we can keep track of what's working and what's not working in this Kanban board. We've got full support for work items. But more interestingly to me is that workflow that the team is going through. We've got the build running in Visual Studio Online as well. So this ASP.NET 5 
.NET Core CLR application is building in VSO and then deploying out to the applications in huh. Azure App Service automatically. Huh. Wow. Now, if I switch over to Azure, I can see that, ap that application in the API host here. And when I've moved that into production, we can click within Azure itself and see the deployments here as well. So I can see a deployment that John put out on Sunday, click on that, and that integration with Visual Studio Online, I can see his commits, whether that build succeeded. So I check in to Git, Visual Studio Online, runs the build, runs the tests, makes sure that everything is okay, sends it out into Azure. Once it's in Azure, in production, I can also scale it. I can hmm. automatically scale it. Coming here on Scale By, I can set the number of instances and a target and range. And he's literally just CPU. moving a slider on CPU number of instances, number amount. of CPUs. The application will scale. So I've got the full life cycle from Visual Studio all up through production. Uh, so to me, uh, this is a very compelling offering for a productized version of your development life cycle. What I mean by that is, you know, you're an enterprise, you have a very regimented way to deploy software, you could bring somebody in and essentially outsource the service end. It's very trainable, it makes you know, uh, changing people around very straightforward. However, sometimes you get yourself put in a box. It would be funny, but I could see a small team actually getting a little too locked in. You would think this would be ideal for a small team so they wouldn't have to manage these kinds of things. I'm not so sure that's the case. These tools are super compelling, though, but I could see them being a little limiting. So inside, integrated into Azure, you can see here the mobile app crashes, events. This is really nice. This is really great. I can go all the way down to a single line of code, and here's actually the iOS also, version of this Also, I have to say, this, I, 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 I lost, I, I did not realize that, that this is a web app they're showing us. This is a very responsive web application. This is running inside Internet Explorer, and it, it's performing like an application. From the highest level all the way down to the lowest level, to a single line of code. So, this is a lot to take in. Let's step back for a second and get an understanding about how this fits in. We've got web apps, we've got mobile applications. Those are talking to APIs in the back end. When I submitted my order, it went to this order API written in ASP.NET 5 and the core CLR. Hmm. Those API apps can be written by me or they can be written by a third party mm -hmm. or brought in from our marketplace. But a really interesting thing is this concept of logic applications, because there's business processes like when that order gets completed, I want to get notified as a customer about that. So let's take a look at what a logic application looks like. Okay. So. Amazing. Let me switch over. Here we go. Okay. So this is an application here where we've got individual API apps. The SQL connector is Wait. going to be looking at the data for the orders. Is it just and me? Flows <clears throat> through this or uh, does this uh, UI have a very card-like look to it? Doesn't that look a little bit like material design to you? Metro is starting to take a little material look. Or, I'm sorry, modern. And then in this case, we're posting a message to Slack. I can bring in that order API that we created in ASP.NET and then get the details for that order. You see that that actually got populated using that Swagger details. And then it knows about previous things within this workflow. This is a reliable, durable workflow in the cloud. Hmm. And now I can click on... Essentially, that looks like they're making a click-and-drag methodology for getting access to uh, APIs uh, for uh, services that have partnered uh, with uh, Azure. And uh, that's pretty cool. 
Uh, while they talk about that, I want to talk about something that has me excited. Uh, this is uh, reading between the lines a little bit, but uh, the next Ubuntu One online summit has been announced, and uh, or I guess Ubuntu online summit, May 5th through the 7th. And I guess one of the big buzzes about this particular Ubuntu conference is refocusing on the desktops. Mumbleroom, did you guys see this announcement that uh, they want to go back to the desktop uh, and uh, the fifth with, with the 15.10 cycle? That's good news indeed. It is good news, isn't it? Um, I, it's funny because I, it's, it almost sounds like in this poster, like declaring the, uh, let's say, say, while the focus on, on, on development in the last few cycles has been on shaping up the implementation of the phone, this doesn't mean other key parts of the project have been left out. The phone has helped create a platform and tools that will ultimately bring all of these projects together into a converged code base and user experience. From desktop to phone, the cloud to things, and back to the desktop. The Ubuntu 15 cycle begins, and so does this exciting new era. The Ubuntu Online Summit will be a unique opportunity to pave the road to convergence and discuss how the next generation of the Ubuntu desktop is built. That's kind of exciting. <clears throat> so uh, I might try to tune in live and see what's going on there and then report back to you guys. But uh, I would love, love, love to see uh, maybe the uh, guys at, at uh, Canonical could ro- put something together with their snappy core and their click packages and all of this fanciness. And maybe they could come roaring back with the number one desktop and steal it back, in my opinion, from the other desktops that have pulled ahead. Uh, let's check Let's check back in with our friends over at uh, Channel 9 and see. Oh, good. They're still building applications by clicking and dragging. Node, Python, anything that can create, can, that can create a Swagger application can do this. Now... I think this is pretty amazing, but I feel like perhaps uh, I haven't sufficiently blown your mind. Okay. I promised a number of people that I would do that. So let's take a moment and then uh, switch over to our uh, Macintosh here. <laughs> now on this Mac, oh you can see that I can load up Visual Studio Online. I can manage my code uh, and write. So does this mean you'll be able to use Visual Studio Online on Linux then? And I can do that using any one of the many editors that one would use on a Mac, like Emacs, Sublime, and things like that. But Inevitably, I find myself going into Spotlight on a Mac and just wishing that there was a member of the Visual Studio family that I could somehow run. And now there is. Oh, geez. With the slow maximize. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I'm really, really happy to announce that Visual Studio Code... This is a code-optimized development hmm. tool that really? runs natively on Windows, Mac, and Linux. Really? Linux? It supports Whoa. dozens of languages out of the box. It's a great application for all kinds of things that you're going to do. Markdown's in there. Focused. But it's not just a it simple editor. <laughs> it has deep insights into what's going on. This is the same Fabricam order details application. Here is a code peek. Wow. You can see the references. I'll go and go into order details. Oh, geez. This is actually kind of fancy. Here, I can hover over individual So they're bringing their objects, own Sublime competitor. Get information about them and help. And I get real IntelliSense. Microsoft really is going all in. They're doing their own editor just like everybody else is. Look at this. This is legit. I uh, see so you got Adam now. Let's see. We got Sublime text. Uh, we've got... Uh, what are all, There's so many good editors now. Uh, this is uh, like unbelievable. This. I cannot believe. Yes, actually, I can because that's what everybody else is doing. Of course, they this, are. And I've got Git and diffs, and I can push it wow. to Visual Studio Online, right. where it will then run through the process, <laughs> right. be built, tested, deployed, and scaled to Azure, which is pretty fantastic. Visual Studio Code uh, 
but this is still not really blowing my mind. I feel I could do even better. So why don't we take a moment and switch over to Ubuntu. What? Yeah, okay. There you go. There you go. There's Ubuntu on a Microsoft stage. That is officially blowing my mind. And there's the Tux Penguin. <laughs> so now wow. I'm in my application. In this case, I'm using a Mono application, and big thanks to the folks at Mono who helped us, helped us with Mono 4.01 mm, interesting. that this demo is running app. on. I can now click on Debug, launch an interactive debugging session. So now I'm on Ubuntu in a .NET app doing a debug session. I've got local variables. That's I've got a call kind of stack. A big deal, I've though. got breakpoints all in this great lightweight code editor, hmm. Visual Studio code. This, I think, makes the point that Visual Studio is now a family of tools for every developer, and Azure is the cloud backend for everyone. And I just got a text message on my band that my 3D print is being delivered. Oh, how nice. Thank you. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's great. Now my Scott Goo action figure. I think that's, that, might, that might be a so. good way to end it right there. I mean, this is going to go on for another couple of hours, and I'll keep monitoring it. Or another hour and a half, or hour 45, because I started late. Uh, I, I just, I'm blown away by that. I, they just demoed Ubuntu on stage. Yeah, I'm sure it's a mono application, but... Uh, Microsoft building an editor like this and making sure it runs on Mac OS, Linux, and Windows, to me, uh, seems like a, a kind of a big deal. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, now that they have their own runtime, too, maybe they'll move it over to that. Uh, that's just a, there you go. So it's called a Visual Studio Code, Code Optimized Editor for IntelliSense Debugging Git. It's for Windows, Mac, and Linux. I also saw Markdown support in there. <clears throat> so I guess I might give it a shot. Mumbaroom, uh, what do you think? Are you uh, surprised? I was about to say that my mind was blown when they just said Linux on stage, and then they freaking showed up with Ubuntu. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, if he was a little smoother, he could have not said the Linux thing earlier and really surprised me. But yeah, I was surprised when he said Linux, too. Uh, so uh, interesting stuff, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for Windows 10. The hype is very strong for Windows 10. I was listening to a podcast just the other day, and they were talking about how <clears throat> if you buy this laptop today it comes with free a free windows 10 upgrade which that means your computer is just going to get better because windows 10 is better and i thought to myself how the hell does he know that i mean it's not even a shipping beta yet i mean it's a beta but it's like not like i guess i'm at rc like it's not even a shipping final version yet it's not even like the final code how can you say it's a good product it's not even a shipping product yet but there are the way the tech press is covering it it's already a sure gone conclusion oh well your computer is just going to get better when windows 10 comes out how do you know that maybe the upgrade will completely trash that computer for all you know but uh, so the hype is strong so i'm going to be curious to see what they do when they start talking windows 10 will they come out and continue that momentum or are they going to sort of deflate some of that uh, air out of those tires uh files copying what do you think um, Chris, I, I feel like Microsoft, they're at the point now to where they, they just want to sell product. They want to sell software. They're not <laughs> as worried as locking everyone in the windows as yeah. more as they just want to be able to sell software to anyone who can use it. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, they've decided that their their cash maker is going to be Azure and stuff like that. Uh, you guys, uh, what do you think? Uh, anybody think it's a sure gone? It's a sure it's a sure thing that we're going to see uh, Microsoft announce Android apps on Windows Mobile? Because supposedly the next segment is a Windows Mobile Rumor is Android apps. Anybody think they're going to do it? Yep, yeah, I think they'll probably do it. You think so? Tortured pickles. Well, they're they're all they're basically money based, aren't they? So anything that they can do in order for them to get more money, 
is what they'll do. Hmm. And if you look at the market, the market is all about Android. It wouldn't even surprise me if they went down the iPad route as well, down there and trying yeah. to get them across over in and out. And Android's spilling well over uh, into set-top boxes, uh, you know, uh, you know these little boards. I mean, Android's really blowing up. It's not just even mobile devices, too. So I could totally see them doing it. We'll keep an eye out and talk about it tomorrow. And the great part is tomorrow they'll actually have, like, some analysis to break through as well. Uh, so very good stuff. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up right there. Uh, don't forget we have the Patreon if you'd like to support the network, patreon.com slash today. And uh, techtalktoday.reddit.com is the place to go if you would like to help give us some feedback, submit some stories, a video, and things like that. Now, I had to go find this video because I, the, our end of show video, you've seen it a million times. We've all seen it a million times. It's like probably one of the number one videos on YouTube for tech geeks. Uh, and I went and grabbed this during that keynote, and it might be in Spanish for all I know. Uh, that'd be hilarious if this is in Spanish. I kind of hope it is. I, I had to play this. It, there, it, this is almost like a mandatory when there's a Microsoft event. Nobody knew how to throw a party like Mr. Steve Ballmer, the hype man himself. See you back here tomorrow, everybody, for a recap of anything big announced at Build, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, JBLive.TV. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us. Developers, 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 developers. Yes!